Hello and welcome to Empire Sports Talk. I am your host, Roman Gennaro. Let's jump right into this. Just when I thought that um, sports takes couldn't get any any colder than Carl Anthony Towns' comments this last week, I unknowingly walked into a freezing cold ice bath of sports takes from multiple leagues. I'll I'll jump right into that right away. First off, though, I want to mention it's finally Wimby time in the NBA. The San Antonio Spurs, to it, as a surprise to no one, took Victor Wimbanyama first overall. San Antonio, he's walking into a beautiful situation, and I expect them to not not be a championship contender right away, but I expect them to be in the playoffs this next year. With a coach like Popovich and a centerpiece like Victor Wimbanyama, and there's, there are some good young players in San Antonio there currently, so I think I think they won't get very far because I think they'll be a seven or eight seed, maybe maybe a six at best. But I expect them to be in the playoffs, provided that that Wimby can stay healthy in his rookie year. Let's hope for that. The first set, set and I say set of cold takes comes from the second overall pick, Brandon Miller from the University of Alabama, goes to Charlotte, and I imagine that things got interesting pretty pretty quickly with his current owner for now Michael Jordan as Michael Jordan has announced his intention to sell the team um or to give up his his ownership stake but until then he is still the owner and and he probably turned his head when Brandon Miller was asked who his goat was and I don't know if he's talking about the league now or all time and I certainly hope he's talking about the league now if he is, it's it still raises questions. If he's not, I have serious concerns about about the basketball that Brandon Miller's been watching. When asked who his greatest of all time was, Brandon Miller said Paul George. Now this makes sense to me from the standpoint that I see a lot of of prime Paul George and his game in Brandon Miller. I see a lot of Indiana Paul George in the way that Brandon Miller plays. But this has to be one of the most eyebrow-raising things I've heard. And as we said last week, we heard a lot. Because for one thing, I'm not even sure, for my personal taste, that Paul George is a top 15 player in the league right now. Like, in his own league. You expect, in, in the GOAT conversation, to hear Michael, to hear LeBron, to hear Kobe, Shaq, Magic, names like that. But Paul George... The best Paul George ever did was get the Indiana Pacers to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Miami Heat in 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 one of the great playoff series where they came up short. Other than that, he's been a second fiddle his entire career. He 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 was a second fiddle to Russ in Oklahoma City. He's second fiddle now to Kawhi Leonard. Now there's talks that that that's going to be over because one or both of them will be traded. So who who knows where he'll go next? But I don't know. Between his plays kind of been declining since those prime Pacers days. Not a lot. He's still good. And the fact that he gets hurt a lot. He's not on the court very much. I don't see how he could be a number one anymore. I, I, I don't know if he... He showed flashes. He, he had an MVP start a couple of years ago. And injuries ended that. Uh, but that's about as close as he's come. I, he's not a prime in this league anymore not a number one. And Brandon Miller says he's he's 
he's his goat. I I don't see that at all. I like Paul George as a player. I think he's really, really good. But that's where it ends. He's really, really good. What I think we're seeing here, and I would argue this regardless of what your profession is, you know, what if especially artistically, but you know, if if, if you want to be an athlete, if you want to be a basketball player like Brandon Miller, if you want to be a musician, if you want to be a clothing designer, if you want to be whatever you want to be, don't be a victim of recency. Don't be a victim of this is all I've seen, so this must be the greatest ever. I implore anyone who wants to be a musician, listen to the musicians of the 60s, 70s, 80s, learn where music came from before you assume, oh, where music is now is the greatest it's ever been, is the greatest it will ever be, and only the people that I'm watching myself are the greatest. And I I feel like that's where we are a lot in this generation. Same thing with sports. I feel like a lot of people that say that, that LeBron James is the greatest never saw Michael. I feel like a lot of people that say that, uh, you know, Jokic is the best big man of all time. And he could be when he's done. Never saw Shaq in his prime. I, I, I believe John Morant, when he says that he could cook Michael Jordan one-on-one, Never actually saw Michael Jordan. Never took the time to, 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 I mean, listen, a lot of the players now weren't alive when Michael Jordan was doing his thing, but you can still look it up. You, you can still do your research. I am the biggest King Griffey Jr. fan in the world. And by the time I was old enough to see and appreciate him doing his thing, he was already in, in Cincinnati and dealing with injuries. But his best years were from from eighty nine to ninety eight in Seattle. When when he left Seattle, I was six, so I could not have watched King Griffey Jr. do his thing at the height of of his powers. But when I got into baseball, when I got into sports, I researched, and I didn't just look at the screen and be like. Oh, pretty colors. This is the greatest thing ever. And that's what a lot of athletes are doing now. So I think Paul George, him saying Paul George is the greatest of all time is kind of a nod to himself because I see a comparable to, 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 to the games. So maybe he's like, oh, he's the greatest of all time because I modeled my game after him. So he's got to be the greatest of all time. Because otherwise, that just makes no sense. And then later, Brandon Miller... And I don't see a problem with this. I I I like the confidence. This next thing, I like the confidence, but I think he's ahead of himself. He said the the Hornets are going to be in the NBA Finals next year, and I like the confidence, and I like that he's excited to play for his new team. But as we've seen from the finals this year, and as we've seen from the draft this year, the Hornets had the second overall pick for a reason. And Brandon Miller is a really great player. And the the Hornets do have LaMelo Ball. And I think they could be a really, really fun duo in Charlotte. But Charlotte, given that they were the second overall pick, needs a lot of help. And they did have a lot of picks in this draft. So that, that could go a long way for them. But as we've seen from the finals this year and Miami and Jimmy Butler, it takes a lot more than one to win the finals. 
takes a lot more than two to win the finals because Bam did, Bam Adebayo did a great job. It takes a lot more than two to win the NBA Finals. The complete team wins more often than not. That's why Denver won. They were the complete team. They were the better team. Last year, Golden State won. They were complete. They were better. With LaMelo Ball, assuming he's healthy, and Brandon Miller, the Hornets aren't complete. They could surprise a lot of people and maybe sneak into the play-in, but as far as for this next year, I think that's their ceiling. I think the play-in tournament is the ceiling for the, for the 2024 Charlotte Hornets. I like the confidence, but they need a lot more than Brandon Miller and LaMelo Ball to get the job done. I did see something interesting, however satirical, just a couple hours ago, where it said Bronny, was, Bronny James was trending on Twitter uh, this week as he it was, it was announced that he was going to wear the number six at USC, which was a big deal because prior to this year, uh, for decades, you weren't able to wear numbers ending in six, seven, eight, or nine. That is overturned now. He'll be wearing his father's number six at USC, and he plans to play one year at USC and then declare for the NBA draft. Should Charlotte have a top pick again, which is very possible, unless they get a lot more help than just Miller and Ball, Bronny may end up in Charlotte as well. If he does that and LeBron James sticks around and sticks to his desire to play for his son, maybe LeBron ends up in Charlotte. Even if that's at age age 39, age 40, LeBron James, Bronny, Brandon Miller, and LaMelo Ball, now we're starting to have a conversation about they can win a title. That second half is complete conjecture, and I just I just thought it was interesting. I'm not reporting anything on that. I just thought it was an interesting uh, theory that somebody had. But I think the Charlotte Hornets are a long way away from their first championship, but I like Brandon Miller's confidence. But coming on the heels of the, brand, of, of the Paul George thing, I, I don't know if that needed to be said. The other eyebrow-raising thing was in baseball, and I sincerely hope this was a joke, by another player that I really like. Uh, Brandon Belt, the designated hitter for the Toronto Blue Jays, is currently second overall or at least was when he said this, in the All-Star Game voting, in the early All-Star Game voting uh, at, at the DH position. And when asked, I didn't hear the context in which his answer was, so maybe he said it in jest. I sincerely hope so. When, when asked about being second to Shohei Otani in, 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 the, in the American League DH voting, Brandon Belt said, yeah, that's how you know it's rigged. I should be number one. Everybody knows I'm a better hitter than he is, a better team leader, but here we are. I like Brandon Belt. I think when he was with the Giants, he was one of the he he was one of the key pieces to them winning multiple championships. Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford, Brandon Belt, and others. At one point in his Giants career, Brandon Belt was seen wearing a self-made duct tape C on his jersey, but unequivocally the the leader of that team of, of of those championship run teams in San Francisco was Buster Posey. And after that, I would have said Brandon Belt. And after that, I would have said Madison Bumgarner. But here's Brandon Belt now in, now in Toronto as Brandon Crawford's the only one left 
from those teams in San Francisco saying that everyone knows I'm a better hitter and everyone knows I'm a better team leader. I'm not going to lie to you. Before he said this, I wasn't even sure he was still in Toronto. So everybody clearly doesn't know he's the better team leader. Um, as far as a better hitter, just for you-know-whats and giggles, I, I, I looked up some stats. I only needed two stats to confirm this, and it's laughable, and that's why I only needed two. Uh, this year, 1-2 and two in DH voting, Shohei Otani and Brandon Belt. Shohei is leading, or I think he's tied for the lead now with, with Matt Olson, is leading the major leagues in home runs at 25. Brandon Belt has four. Shohei Otani has 61 RBIs. Brandon Belt has 17. So you're not a better hitter. And Shohei Otani is leading the majors, or is leading all American League designated hitters in average. And when I looked up the the leaders in that category, based on the list, based on qualified people, Brandon Belt wasn't on it. And I, but I did look up his average, and it's 263, which is not great. So you're not a better leader, or you're not a better hitter. You're not a better team leader because many have forgotten that you're still playing. And that's not even factoring in Shohei's pitching. The other day I was putting together my, who I think should be the All-Star Game starters. I'll put that on, on my social media this week. And I thought about putting Shohei as the starting pitcher. But then I thought there are, there are other pitchers who are having a great year that are deserving of that. And Shohei can still start at the DH. So if you can pull his stats apart and he's still the best at two different positions, you're definitely not a better leader, not a better hitter. Um, I, I, I love Brandon belt. I enjoyed watching him play in those years in San Francisco, but he's, couldn't be more wrong about himself being him being number one because, and I hesitate to say this again because of the recency thing. Uh, I I try to look at the big picture and sometimes fall victim to the nostalgia of of other players. But I said this with Tom Brady. I like many people for years fought calling Tom Brady the greatest of all time in the NFL. One because I grew up a huge Peyton Manning fan and for all those head-to-head matchups with with him and Peyton when Peyton was in Indy and then in Denver. They faced off both times, usually in the playoffs, to go to the Super Bowl, and, and Peyton came out on the wrong end of those many times. So I refused to, to say it at first out of allegiance to Peyton. And then I said, oh, it's Joe Montana because he's 4-0 in Super Bowls, and he's a legend, and you can't deny that. But then Tom Brady goes to Tampa Bay, a team that before him wasn't even close to the playoffs, and he wins the Super Bowl against Patrick Mahomes, somebody else who, by by the time it's all said and done, could be in the GOAT conversation. And it was no long it, it was it was no longer a situation of me trying to deny Tom Brady's greatness. And I and, and I said something at the time and I said, sometimes we have to sit back and realize that w- what we're watching unfold in front of us is the greatest we have ever seen to this point. And 
I sat back and I watched LeBron James break the scoring record and I gave him his moment and I congratulated him. I do still think that in that situation, it's Michael Jordan. And that's not a nostalgia thing. That is just who Michael Jordan was. I've said plenty about that in the past. I'm not going to go and do five more minutes on that today. But Shohei, what Shohei Otani is doing is something that we've only seen done successfully by one other person. And that's Babe Ruth. And the rate at which Shohei is doing it, both hitting and pitching, and the way that he's doing it, and the fact that the MLB created basically an Otani rule that allows him to DH when he's pitching, shows that Shohei Otani is doing what only he and Babe Ruth have ever done way better than Babe Ruth ever did it. So I think it's realistic to say that what we're watching with Shohei Otani could end up being the greatest of all time. And he's playing like it again this year. He's already got the trophies. He's already got the individual awards, the MVP. More will come. Shohei Otani being number one in the D in, in DH All-Star voting is no fluke. Brandon Belt is having a good year in Toronto. That's it, a good year. And Brandon Belt claimed it's a popular vote, which I think is a, is a is something we're seeing in in sports all star game voting these days. I really think that's the downside of fan voting is that you get the players that are popular getting in, regardless of the season they're having. I mean, all I need to do is look at last year when when uh, Fernando Tatis was injured, had not played a game in the season prior to the All-Star break. Didn't even come off the injured list until after the All-Star break and was fifth in the final shortstop voting. That's a joke. Sometimes fans will vote their player vote their favorite players in, vote their team member vote the the players on their favorite teams in just for the fact of being popular or being on their favorite team instead of voting the guys in that deserve to be in. And so Maybe that's what Brandon Belt's looking at. Maybe that's why he thinks that Shohei is number one. But I would argue the opposite, that the only reason that Brandon Belt was at one point second in the All-Star Game voting when there's guys like Yandy Diaz and Byron Buxton and Jordan Alvarez hitting designated hitter in, in the American League, the only reason that Brandon Belt is in the All-Star Game voting is because his own team is doing some of the voting. So I think whatever argument Brandon Belt is making could work against him. Now, like I said, I don't know if this was said in a joking manner. I sincerely hope it was. But it's something worth worth bringing up because somebody came for Shohei Otani and is getting roasted. The next thing I wanted to talk about is actually something that I meant to talk about on, on last week's podcast and then it got lost in the shuffle of everything else. Red Sox manager, and this is important, Red Sox manager Alex Cora basically came, basically went after ESPN after ESPN featured the Yankees Red Sox on back-to-back -back Sunday night baseball games. He, he, he said, come on ESPN, there are other teams out there. America agrees with Alex Cora. ESPN for a long time has, as far as their programming and the games that they feature, 
has not evenly distributed as well as some others have, as well as MLB on Fox, as well as Sunday Night Football, as well as the the new Friday night games on Apple TV or or Thursday night um, on, on Amazon Prime. Last year's Amazon Prime could have been a lot better, but at least they distributed better than ESPN does Sunday Night Baseball. For years, people have commented that every Sunday Night Baseball game seems to feature either the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Red Sox, or whatever team Bryce Harper is on. And we never see teams, good teams, like the Giants. This, this year, the Diamondbacks. We never see, we see the Padres sometimes, but that's a, usually only when they're playing the Dodgers. And so for the, for the Red Sox own manager, to bring up the the bias that ESPN has says a lot, and they could be a lot. The same could be said for for basketball. I mean, I feel like every time you see, you know, a game being broadcast on ESPN that's not the NBA Finals, it's whatever team LeBron is on. And but 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 here's the thing: I think ESPN tried to overcorrect with their Monday night football telecast, which is, is their best, most well-rounded grouping of games. Uh, it still doesn't pale in comparison. It pales in comparison to Sunday night football, which is who seemingly on, on NBC and Peacock, who seemingly dedicates themselves to the best game of the week every week. I feel like ESPN overcorrected with their failings with Major League Baseball by making a rule that every team needs to be featured on Monday Night Football. I get, I like it. I get the point. But there's a fine line between going against a bias of only showing a few teams and spreading it around and not showing the best game. It Having a rule in place to say every team must be featured really kind of hems you in to say some of our games might not be good. You can still show a good game while showcasing as many teams as you can. But having a having a Monday night football game that's the Bears against the Texans isn't doing anybody any favors. Instead of having every Monday night football game be be, you know, the Chiefs and the Panthers to Panther, the Chiefs and the Ravens and the Bills, you could sprinkle in the Bucks and the Chargers. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not coming for Monday Night Football. But what I'm saying is there's a, di- there's a difference between finding the best games and just sticking with the same grouping of teams, and that's what ESPN Baseball seems to do. Like I said, it seems to always be the Yankees, Red Sox, and Dodgers. I feel like the only time we see the Braves, who have consistently been one of the better teams in the in Major League Baseball the last three years, is when they're playing Bryce Harper or they're playing the Mets. As loaded as they are, I feel like the only times that we see the Padres is when they're playing the Dodgers. And despite having Shohei and Mike Trout, arguably the two best players in baseball on their team, we almost never see the Angels on Sunday Night Baseball. The Magic season that it's been for the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers 
and the Cincinnati Reds nowhere to be found on Sunday night baseball. I I can't even tell you the last time I I tuned into a Sunday night baseball game and I'm as big of a baseball fan as there is. And so I so for Alex Cora himself, the manager of one of the teams that's consistently featured to speak out against how frequently ESPN favors certain teams says a lot. And I hope ESPN listens. I, I, I feel like they already did listen because because Alex Rodriguez is no longer on their on their Sunday night baseball team. And because watching him, no offense to Alex Rodriguez, the person, but watching him call a game, listening to him call a game was brutal. He would either oversimplify every little thing for the lowest common denominator to a fault, or he'd talk about how great he was. And it and for a lot of people made made Sunday night baseball unwatchable. So for Alex Cora himself to speak out speaks volumes. And I feel like ESPN has a long way to go for their baseball telecast. And I feel like that's why Fox has kind of taken over as far as baseball is concerned. Uh, Speaking of Shohei Otani and Mike Trout, as I have throughout this podcast, last night, this is being recorded on Sunday, last night the Angels erupted, and I mean erupted, for 25 runs against the Colorado Rockies. You could say, yeah, this was in Colorado. Do with that what you will. But they erupted for 25 runs. The score was 23-0 in the top of the fourth, thanks to a 13-run second and an eight-run third inning. And one one funny thing that happened to me, it, it made me laugh. I think it was during the 13-run second inning. Um... Not not Brandon Marsh. I suddenly can't think of his name. Number twenty-two, uh, for for the Angels makes the second out of the inning. They bat around, get all the way back to him, and then he makes the third out. So imagine getting out twice in the same inning, in which your team scored thirteen runs. I I find that humorous. That's just that's it's funny to me, but. And, and and this was good to see for the Angels, considering that they are basically fighting to hang on to Shohei Otani. Uh, it's 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 a shame that they haven't made the playoffs yet since he's been there. You factor in that they also have Mike Trout. Uh, those two should be in the playoffs always, uh, and and they've struggled to do it in in the three four years that Otani's been there with him. So this is kind of their last shot to prove that they can. Before we end up, before we see Otani somewhere like the Dodgers or the Padres or wherever else he may go if he decides to leave the Angels. So it was good to see them erupt. It was just one game. The Angels are in third place, but the teams ahead of them are the Rangers and the Astros. And I'm personally not buying the Astros this year. Um, I I posted my current power rankings for for this week on social media this morning, and despite being ahead of the Angels in the standings, I left the Astros off, and I did put the Angels at 10, and I did I did that ranking before they scored 25, just because you can't really bet against uh, Shohei and Mike Trout. Uh, let's hope that, that Anthony Rendon comes back healthy. Zach Drury is... is 
leading a lot of, or up near the top of a lot of offensive categories in the American League. Griffin Canning is pitching really well for them right now. Patrick Sandoval, Shohei Otani, obviously. So it's hard to bet against them. I'm not buying the Astros this year. It doesn't help that that Jordan Alvarez is hurt. Uh, so go check out the power rankings on our social media and let us know what you think about that. But I think the Angels have as good a shot as they've ever had to make the playoffs this year. So I, I really like seeing them erupt for 25 games. Uh, they did get shut out two games in a row earlier in the week. So this is kind of good to see them kind of break it open. Hopefully they can sustain it. The winning streaks that we were watching this week have all come to an end. The, 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 the Brave streak ended at eight at the hands of the Cincinnati Reds. The Cincinnati Reds streak ended at 12 the next night at the hands of those Atlanta Braves. It's been a great series. A a every game's been good. I look forward to possibly seeing those two face off against each other in the playoffs. I'm rooting for it. If it's anything like this series, San Francisco ended their 10-game win streak, ironically, with a 10-0 loss to the Padres earlier in the week. But all three of those teams can be featured in the first in the first edition of Empire Sports Talk Power Rankings. I would have started it at the beginning of the year, but I'm not very good. Uh, I'm not a very good graphic editor. It is just me doing this podcast, so everything is done by me. And as you'll see by the graphic that is up, it's not that great. I can only I I, I can only go up from here. But all th those the streaks may be over. But all three teams, the Braves, the Giants, and the Reds, are featured in the first power rankings of the season. Let's shift a little bit to the NBA. Let's shift back to the NBA rather, since I started with Brandon Miller. But I w the off season obviously just started, and with the draft behind us and the NBA Finals behind us. Some interesting trades are happening. First I want to talk about is that the, the Golden State Warriors traded Jordan Poole uh, to Washington in, in, in basically in, in the myriad of trades that involved Chris Paul, which came on the backs of the Bradley Beal trade. I'll get to that in a second. They traded Jordan Poole to the Wizards. And I think that they, this to me was obviously an effort to bring Draymond Green back as Jordan Poole and Draymond Green had a very public feud going into last season where Draymond punched Jordan Poole in the face. And they said it was all good. We believed him for a while, I guess. But I never believed it was all good. That's that's not something that is is all good. Um, and now Golden State has has traded him before they even you know signed Draymond back. But to me, this was obviously an effort to to say he's gone now, come back, and we'll see if if Golden State brings him back. But I think they made the wrong choice. If this ends up what's happening, where where Jordan Poole moves on and Draymond Green comes back, I feel like Golden State made the wrong choice. I feel like Jordan Poole is more valuable to the to the to Golden State right now. Both Stephen Curry and Clay Thompson are, are irreplaceable, but they also have long injury histories. And so when they're hurt, or when they put a different lineup out there in the middle of the game, 
Jordan Poole plays well with Steph Curry. He plays well with Klay Thompson. When they're both hurt, they had Jordan Poole and Gary Payton II being pretty serviceable. And Draymond, I just I don't see the value on the court anymore. The only time I feel like we hear Draymond's name is when he's saying something on his podcast. And so if this is the if this is the reason why they traded Jordan Poole, I know a lot of people have said Jordan Poole had his own issues. Is that true or is that you know you 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 pick sides with Draymond and it is what it is? Who knows? So I think I think Golden State's gonna end up regretting choosing Draymond if that's in fact what they did, because I feel like Jordan Poole is more valuable at this time than Draymond. The Bradley Beal trade to me to the Suns is horrible. One, and I'm not even going to get into the worst of it yet. One, it came like the day after Chris Paul said that he preferred to stay in Phoenix, that he preferred to stay with the Suns and win a championship there. That showed loyalty and leadership, and I liked it. And, and a lot of these guys some named Kevin Durant, will just chase the ring wherever they see fit. And and Chris Paul said, I, I like it here. I want to do it here. He gets traded to the Wizards and then immediately traded to Golden State. I feel like he'll, he'll, he'll pair interestingly with Steph Curry. I feel like the Warriors play fast, and Chris Paul does not, so I don't know how that's going to work, uh, but we'll see. Um... But here's the thing. This is the thing. One, because right now the Suns don't have a team. Like, they they have Durant, Booker, Beal, Ayton, and one other guy under contract right now. Not not including the draft, but I don't even think they had a draft pick. I don't think they have control of their own draft pick till what, till what was it, 2030, 2031? So they don't have a team right now. And as we learned from this year's finals, and previous years. Depth matters. Depth wins you championships. But the ugliest thing to me, and I do not know how this was allowed by Adam Silver in the league, I do not know how this was okay, was that the CEO of the Phoenix Suns is the son of Bradley Beal's agent. I think it's, if I get it wrong, I apologize. Mark Bernstein, Mark Berenstein is Bradley Beal's agent. His son, Josh, is it Josh? Is the son CEO. If this doesn't reek of tampering or collusion, or because the sons weren't even in the conversation as to where is Bradley Beal going to go, it was the Celtics, it was the Lakers, it was to some little tiny minuscule extent, the Sixers. I feel like the Suns weren't even in the picture until they were out of nowhere. To me, and and it involved basically, in a way, it involved Chris Paul, who's the same player who David Stern vetoed a trade to the Lakers for questionable reasons. To kind of keep things fair and above board, he he vetoed a, a trade that would have paired Chris Paul, Pau Gasol, and Kobe Bryant. But to now, 
the most sought after player on the market is traded to the team that's in part run by his agent's son. And yet there's no talk about the NBA looking into this. It doesn't seem fair. It doesn't seem right. It seems like tampering, which you cannot do. And it seems like the two guys were talking about it over the dinner table, went to work the next day and made it happen. And that's the definition of tampering. They were talking about a player under contract. So I don't see how this was okay. And yet here we are. There's not a word about it. And yet the rest of the NBA and the media is saying what a bad trade this was because of the depth that Phoenix doesn't have. So time will time will tell what happens with Phoenix. It just looks bad all the way around from a basketball perspective, from a personal perspective, from a professional perspective. It looks bad. None of that's really on Bradley Beal, but it just looks bad. The last thing, in, in somewhat of a surprising trade, in a three-team trade between the Celtics, the Wizards, and the Grizzlies, Marcus Smart is going to Memphis. I think this is a great, great trade for Memphis because it gives them veteran leadership um, in that locker room, in a very young locker room besides Steven Adams. Now Marcus Smart comes in there as well. It gives them defensive leadership. I feel like Marcus Smart will only help players like Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson improve defensively. So I like it for Memphis. I feel like Boston is going to miss Marcus Smart. That's a very offensive-focused team, but Robert Williams and Marcus Smart kind of held them down defensively, and now Marcus Smart is gone. I felt like he was their defensive leader, and now he's gone. And I've, I've often said that I think Marcus Smart is one of the most underrated players in the NBA because he's not as flashy on offense, and it's an offensive league, but he, he, he does his job on defense better than a lot of people. So I feel like he's one of the most underrated players in the NBA, and I feel like Memphis is going to benefit, but Boston is going to miss him greatly. That is all the time I have for this week. This has been another episode of Empire Sports Talk. Go check out our socials this week. We have a lot of new content coming out as we're trying to expand and do better. But that, but this is where this I, I leave you on this episode. I am Roman Gennaro. This has been Empire Sports Talk. I'll see you next time.